Welcome to your Breakthrough Blueprint. I'm your host, Becky Oste, a wife, mom, and trauma-informed marriage coach. After a decade of trying all the mainstream modalities of healing to save my marriage, I found myself two kids later separated and on the verge of divorce. That's when I stumbled upon the unconventional game changer of somatic work that not only resurrected my dying marriage, but bled into breakthroughs in my parenting, purpose, spirituality, health, wealth, business, and more in just six months. My intention with this podcast is simple. Through every weekly episode, my goal for you is that one, you realize how insanely collective our struggles are, that you're not even close to alone. Two, that you can laugh a little because God knows we need it. And three, that you walk away with actionable advice on how to design your unique blueprint for your breakthrough life. So get your earbuds in, grab your coffee so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of a good friend that came into our coaching container and the feedback that I got from her guest expert session, it was a no brainer for me to invite Anastasia Arouse. No, you pronounce your name for me, your last name. It's Arouse. Anastasia. Yeah. I just said Arouse. Anastasia Arouse, no, Arouse on the podcast. It was a no-brainer to do an episode on this because what she specializes in and is passionate about is just really relatable to this audience, how to bring harmony into co-parenting. Before we dive in, Anastasia, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Anastasia Arouse, and I am a licensed therapist and a registered play therapist. And I have been working with children and families for over 25 years in a variety of containers from school counseling to my own private practice to I was a teacher. And now I'm actually working with families in a coaching model. So this is all my stuff that I love to help families with. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So just so we can define who we're talking about on this topic of co-parenting, what are some scenarios that would fall under the term co-parenting? So it would be like parents that are either the biological parents, it could be guardians of a child, it could be people that are divorced, separated, never lived together. So all of those people can co-parent. Okay, awesome. So now that we've defined that, can we also define just the difference between a therapeutic separation and a divorce? That comes up as a question a lot in my container, what would you say the definition is? So a therapeutic separation is very structured and it's something that is fluid and that there's no um, finality to it in a way that it's legal. So it's going to be something that you and your spouse or partner decide upon together. And you're going to work with a specialist, some kind of specialist to help you um, through the separation. And you can also do a separation just on your own. So you wouldn't really have that support. And so you would, it wouldn't be as structured. So the separation would be you guys separating. There's really no, there could be an end because in some States, the state requires you to be separated for a year till you get divorced. And so there's not as many guidelines through that. You're just on your own. The therapeutic is nice because you'll have that secure, safe environment where you're going to be working through specific problems, either within yourself or within the marriage, or your partner's working on their things. There's usually a time frame, And with a divorce, that's the finality of it. That comes whenever you decide that this is not going to work and that there's really no coming back from it. 
So there's usually a judge involved, you'll have attorneys, and it's not reversible. It's a permanent decision that is made. Can you remarry after getting a divorce? Yeah, you can. You can. It's funny. I, that might sound like a dumb question, but I'm like, wait, because there is a client in my coaching container right now. She did go through a divorce and her husband are actually reconciling. And I have wondered if they'd want to do the whole ceremony all over again. I don't know for sure, but okay. Good to know. But yeah, I know a lot of people when they think of separating or doing like a therapeutic separation, I think there's this idea that's just one step closer to divorce. It's just like the the next step in the progression. But I have seen it and experienced it in my own relationship with Sebastian. The therapeutic separation was the thing that saved our marriage. And we did have a therapist at the time who helped us just with the guidelines of it, of what's the nature of us communicating with each other. We decided it was just going to be about the kids and drop-offs and how often will we see each other. He decided that he was going to, we both decided he'd come by every day and have dinner with us so that the kids saw him. And I'm talking about this very like matter of fact right now, but like mm-hmm. in the moment it was very charged, very emotional. I felt like I hate all of this, but just for to paint a picture for listeners sake, we did that. And it ended up being, I think three to four months total. And then it was accidental that he moved back in. We were planning on going longer, but I was going out for a bachelor night. Like my friends and I watched The Bachelor. Don't judge me, Anastasia. (laughs) And I was like, Sebastian, you can sleep here because I'm going to be out late. Just like sleep on the couch. And he did that. And the next morning woke up and had COVID. And so we, it was during that 15 day quarantine and his mom, where he was staying, was not trying to have him come to her house with COVID. So we're like, all right. We're gonna uh, be living together for 15 days. This is like around the holidays. And in that time was when I had already started my somatic healing journey and the rest is history. He ended up never moving back out. But I think I'm glad for definition's sake, we could define it and also let people know separation doesn't always have to mean like next step to divorce. It doesn't. And I think the therapeutic, if you're able to get your partner involved in that, it's so nice because it is such a charged emotionally event that it's hard to create that structure with just the two of you. So to have someone helping you through that, because it's hard, it's really tough. It's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about just the specific challenges to the women that you got to meet in my container, some of the biggest challenges just that they're facing in their co-parenting relationship is communication, consistency in whatever they're trying to decide to, whether it's discipline or routines, like consistency and sticking with that, especially if the kids are going from one house to the other shared responsibilities, the financial piece. I know that came up a lot when you came in and spoke with my women. And then just like the consistency and values and discipline. Yeah, just curious. We can't dive into all of those right today. But one thing that that one client shared is she felt like she was in a role overload. She felt like she was teaching her husband how to parent while she's also trying to parent her kids. And so Just could you share what you say to the woman resonating with that? 
Yeah, of course. I think that, yes, it can become so, even when you're married and you're not going through this, we become overloaded with the role. And so when you add on a separation or divorce, it it can become very overwhelming. So the one thing I always talk about with my parents is you can only control yourself in this situation. And so during this time, really focusing on the things you can control just on your own. And your husband is on his own journey and he's going to control what he's going to control And your goal as the mom during this is just to create that safety and security for your child. That's the button. That's the first question that should come into your mind every time you start thinking about, am I doing the right thing? Um, What is he doing? Why isn't he doing? Why isn't he feeding them the food I want? Why isn't he being consistent and calling me back whenever they want to see him? So you have to just focus on yourself and how you are addressing those safety and security needs of your child. And it's tough because you can see the hurt in their eyes. You can see them sad when their dad might not show up or doesn't call when he says he's going to call. But you hold that space for them and love them. And and one of the other things I always tell my parents is keeping your opinions about the situation to yourself, as hard as it is. You wouldn't want to say, oh my gosh, your dad's such a jerk for not calling. We thought he was going to be here. But really keeping your opinion to yourself and letting your child develop that opinion on their own, because they'll figure it out. They'll figure out on their own who their father really is or who their parent is. So I think it's really creating that safe space for that child and then remembering that you're the only one that can control what's happening in your home or in your space. Mm-hmm. And being able to take that time to have that moment for yourself where you can get present and get grounded before you address a lot of the things that can happen during this time. Yeah. It reminds me of the serenity prayer, which I think I have it framed right behind me, but mm-hmm. it's God grant me the courage to accept the things I cannot change or no, the, what is it? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. That's perfect for this situation because yeah, you should, yeah, that's a great thing to recite because you do feel like you want to control all of the aspects of it. And you really can't to the point where I would have parents say he was supposed to bring them back at four, but then he didn't show up till six. I'm sitting there waiting And just that frustration and that just worry if you can't get like he's not texting you, right? You're waiting, but then he's not responding to you. So really just having that, just being grounded and just knowing that you can only control what you can control. Yeah. And easier said than done, but even that term role overload, it feels like that because it is an overload. If you do sign up for a partnership and a marriage and have kids, you're not planning for it to all fall on you. So the overwhelm is very real. I think we as women can gaslight ourselves a lot and be like, why am I so stressed? Or why am I losing it on the kids and blah, blah, blah. When it's like your nervous system actually is overloaded. And so much of what you're talking about, the grounding, the getting into the somatic work, it's learning how to get intimate with your own like window of tolerance with your own nervous system. And that might not feel easy at first if there all of a sudden is this switch and one partner isn't showing up on the level that he was or ever was showing up or should be and all of that. I think there's just a lot of 
I know what you reflect back to your clients and me too is just a ton of grace and like self-compassion for this is hard because this feels hard because it really is. And yeah. And it's hard too, because it's that like, when you talk about the somatic stuff, it makes sense. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with you, right? Because you have these chemicals, right? In your body, that anxiety is going to start kicking in and you're starting to worry and you're going to have those repeated thoughts over and over again. And so when that starts happening, it's real and it's happening and there's nothing wrong with you, but having strategies to try to break it and working with someone or having just support in some way is always helpful too. And so I really try to encourage my parents to have that support if they struggle with that anxiety and if they struggle getting grounded and just those thoughts that repeat, repeat. Yeah. Speaking of those ruminating thoughts, I know a lot of those circular thoughts can be around finances. When we were going through this, that was big because at the time my husband was the breadwinner. He was carrying most of the load and I always had my side hustle. And so it was like this all of a sudden, oh crap, do I need to start hoarding my finances and keeping them separate? Like I started to create a private bank account that just out of fear of what if we don't make it? And God forbid, I don't think he would do this, but what if he did act weird? with finances and then all those things. When it comes to finances or even when your husband may be unwilling or ex may be unwilling to get on the same page as you financially or is making decisions that are starting to trigger your sense of safety and security, like what wisdom do you have for women dealing with that? That's such a huge issue. And I do think that a lot of times it's such a personal decision of how you want to handle it, but I've had parent moms do the same thing you're talking about is creating that separate bank account out of fear, but then out of just safety and security. So it's really going to be what helps the parent or the mom be able to calm her nervous system, calm herself to feel that safety. Because here again, you can't control what he's going to do. There's no, you can't, like, there's nothing you can do in this situation except create that safety and security for you and your child. And so going back to that question of like, how am I making my child feel safe? How am I keeping them safe? And so it's really figuring out what the boundary is and where, what, how far you're willing to deal with the unknown of the money and how much you can handle yourself of not knowing what the expenses are or how much he's spending. Because again, you can't control him in this situation. Yeah, I remember once I was putting my money away privately and then I joined the somatic coaching program, I was listening to another girl get coached about money. And basically the coach asked her, is your goal to stay together in your marriage and like to repair intimacy? And that client answered, yes, it is. And she said, so is like keeping your money separate, helping you towards that goal? She wasn't giving this girl advice. She wasn't telling her what to do with her money. She was like helping her pull it out of herself. And she was like, ah, for me, no. And I remember that being an aha moment for me. I was like, crap, like I still do want to fight for my marriage. There's something in me that's saying, I do want to like keep Keep our family together and parent together and all of that. And so I remember telling Sebastian kind of the aha moment. I was like, so basically I've been hiding money from you <laughs> and mm-hmm. had this realization on a coaching call. And because I still do ultimately want us to work out, I am not going to do that anymore. I don't remember how I said it. And that ended up being like the beginning of our own financial money healing journey, but there's other clients that I have where their husbands are acting in more non-receptive ways, like when they do try to open up and 
have those hard conversations. It's either completely ignored or he's just like making really lavish unsafe decisions with their money. And so she needs to set some more boundaries or in those cases, a, a private bank account is the best move. So yeah. you're right. it just depends situation to situation. It does. And I think money is such like a delicate topic too, because we all grow up around it so differently. So everyone's opinions on how it should be spent or who's spending what. And if you didn't have those conversations at the beginning of the marriage, or even when the marriage was healthier, it's going to be really hard when the marriage is not in a healthy space to have those conversations. And so it's such a, it's a personal decision and personal choice of how you want to deal with it. Mm, Yeah. What about abusive situations? So we do have clients who have gotten out of abusive relationships and yet they have kids with their abuser. And we just in our community, and I know you too, we zero tolerance policy for abuse. Like this is exactly what we're here for, to guide women through the terrifying path of setting boundaries and moving herself to safety if they are in a situation like this. Just curious how you handle that with women who are in a situation where, shoot, there is some abuse going on. That's tough because a lot of times the way the court systems work, it takes a really long time to get decisions made when you have children. And so many times the children have to still go with the parent or, and you have a fear for that. So really, if you are in an abusive situation, just getting a plan in place of how you would like it to work out, really involving your attorney, if you have one, involve keeping documentation of what's being said or just everything that's happening, especially if you have the fear for your child being hurt. If you do have a fear of your child being hurt, that needs to be addressed immediately and usually taken to the court and having a judge make the decision if there should be visitation or not. If there is granted then visitation, really just keeping track of what's happening with the child and documenting all the things that are happening and paying attention to how your child's reacting when they come home Are there behavior changes at school? Are there behavior changes in the home? And so really just documenting all of it. I've worked with a lot of moms on this and it's so hard because it's out of your control completely. Because if you both have custody, there's really no way you can stop them from going if the judge has granted them Mm. custody or equal custody. Or even if you have no attorney or anybody working with you, you have to allow them to go. If you ever suspect your child's being abused in any way, you do have the um, right and you must call like, social services or um, child protective services and make a report, which is then hard too, because you might not want to be calling that on your husband because for you're scared for yourself. So it's really going back to that same question of just what is the best, like what, how can I make my child feel safe and secure? But this is a hard one because I've seen a lot of times where the mom has been in an abusive situation, the dad does get some visitation rights. Yeah. What I hear you saying is it's just insanely complex. There's a lot of pieces at play and like understandable fear and overwhelm that can come in like trying to take any kind of step forward, make any kind of decision, especially if you are in an abusive situation, like your brain isn't operating at optimal, like logical functioning. Like there is trauma brain going on, maybe a freeze response, a flight response, fight, whatever, fawn. Mm-hmm. And so just for definition's sake, most people have heard fight, flight, and freeze, but fawn is more the placating, the pleasing, just like doing whatever to make the other person happy. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a situation where it can feel like you're rocking the boat. I have one client who just recently, it's been a long time coming and she finally did enough work on her nervous system and felt safe enough to take the kids and move out and did it in the middle of the night because her husband was threatening something pretty bad. And she took the kids to safety to her mom's house, but then he started threatening her like, you kidnapped the kids. Like, I'm going to get full custody of them. You didn't tell me what to do. And so what can a woman in that position know, like legally, what rights does she have when there are threats like that being thrown out when she's actually just moving the kids to safety? Really getting with a professional to help her through that and finding an attorney. If there isn't a lot of, if you don't have the money to do that, there's free services available, but really talking with an attorney or somebody to help you Um, sort all of it out because the fear tactics will come into play and it might not necessarily be accurate. It might not necessarily be accurate of what he's saying. Finding out exactly what your rights are. I can't say this enough that having support with an attorney to documenting everything that's happening with you, being able to take, say something happens where um, I've had this happen where the visitation schedule wasn't followed appropriately, then you can document that. And if it happens enough times, they can actually, the attorney can actually take that to a judge and then visitation can be ceased. If you work with an attorney, it's helpful because then you have so many more avenues of getting, having control in this situation, especially if it's an abusive situation. Because if you're not, that you really have no rights because he does have a point, right? If you just take the kids and leave, there's no proof anywhere that says he's going to hurt the kids or that he's hurt you unless there's been some type of domestic violence reports made. So he does have a right to have the kids. And so that's why it's really important to have the supports in place if possible with mm-hmm. and file for separation, legal separation. Because even when you do that, there's rights and things that could be put in place so the kids will have the appropriate like visitation and things like that. Yeah, she, her cousin's a lawyer, so she felt lucky in that sense. She just reached out to him and he's been helping her. But yeah, she was like beating herself up. She was like, I'm mad that I didn't record him saying what he was saying. And I was like, girl, do not beat yourself up. You were in a survival response. You're not going to tap in to creative, like wise ideas in that moment. But she is practicing the documenting like now from here. She's screenshotting everything and recording what she can. So all of that's really important. Just at least seeds to plant in listeners' minds if they're in a situation like that. And guys, if you are listening, feel free to reach out to Anastasia or I on DMs, Instagram, anytime. If you just need direction of what's just one step I can take towards safety, we can help. Yeah, definitely. I can help with that. I was going to say one more thing. One of the things I talk about with parents is when you do get in these situations is really trying to avoid the verbal as much as possible, really using texting and emails when deciding big things like dates you're visiting or pickup times or where you're doing the pickup. A lot of times parents will plan to pick up at the local police station because it's a safer space if they feel unsafe. So using the police station or the fire station as a place, not that you have to go in, you would just do it in the parking lot and no one really has to know, but it's a safer space. 
That's genius. Yeah, I had another client who was noticing anytime she communicated with her um, partner once they separated about the kid drop-off situation, she noticed he would just start manipulating her and they'd go down their old toxic dance of she started to get frazzled and not know what to say. And so she ended up making it a boundary that we need to talk through text or email, one, so she could document it, but also so she could regulate before responding and not get swept up. Yeah. It gives you a chance to think ahead of time and not get swept up exactly what you're saying, just to get yourself in a place where you can respond in a way that's not going to be erratic or coming from part of the brain where you're not thinking clearly. Yep. So shifting into something a little less heavy, (laughs) one of the co-parenting annoying things that comes up a lot is um, with food. (laughs) And this totally happens with us. I remember, um, and this just isn't one instance, but recently Sebastian uh, gave me a break, right? Took the kids, gave me a break and got them like milkshakes and ice cream, like all the sugar. And then here you go. And I'm like, great. Now I get them. (laughs) They're all crazy and sugared up. And other times it's just, I found it's, I don't know why it's the women. It tends to be the ones that are like more into wanting to feed their kids organic or just eat healthier. And then their partners are just like, whatever. And it's, it's just a food battle. So what advice do you have about the food situation? I go with pick your battles of what is important, right? So pick the battles. The only time that it can be an issue is if you do have a child with some type of disability or medical condition, or even like Asperger's or autism, and there are food restrictions that should be documented and making sure that they're following whatever those dietary guidelines are. But other than that, it's really, as long as that the child isn't getting sick or isn't being fed something that they're allergic to. There's really not a lot you can do about it because again, they have the child. It's their time. This is their journey with them. The same thing goes like I have this with parents, the food, but then also like movies that the kids are watching. And so maybe you're not, you're wanting your kids only to see G movies or you PG and then your partner showing them like rated R there's really nothing. It's that's a hard one. And that's a hard one for a lot of parents because you can't unsee something, but there's really nothing that individually you can do unless you put it in a, maybe it is going to be in your separation agreement, but there's really not a lot of control you have over it, which is tough. Yeah, I agree. Like very little, if any control on the parenting side of it, because they're another adult. But what comes to mind is there is still a lot of influence in impact you can make with the child, just like opening up conversations about that rated R movie. I imagine if they did watch that and like, how did that feel for you? How did that feel in your body? Did you feel like that was good? Or maybe I shouldn't be watching this and not even needing to come to a conclusion, but just like teaching our kids as much as we can that we want to be a safe place for them and they can share with us like anything. And we're here to hold space and help them on their own path of finding out what what feels right, what feels icky as they get older and are going to make their own decisions. I agree. And I think a lot of times when they come back from that house, just letting them have the space to talk and the space to say what they want and trying not to bombard them with questions. I always ask parents not to ask questions, try to let them just talk about whatever it is that they want. And it'll come out, right? If something happened that was inappropriate or shocking or exciting, it could be even something good. Eventually it's going to come out. You don't have to pull it out of them and you're going to see it 
if they don't verbalize it, you'll see it in behaviors. You'll see it when they can't go to sleep at night. They'll, you'll see it possibly if they're a younger child in the reverse of like potty training. You'll see it in a lot of other behaviors, even without the language piece that they're not able to verbalize. But I really impress with parents not to bombard their child with questions when they get back because it puts so much stress on them. And then they feel obligated to tell you because they love you and they know you care. But it's just really hard on them whenever that happens. So I imagine listeners might be thinking in this moment, okay, okay, that makes sense. I'm with you, Anastasia. But then what do I say <laughs> when they uh, get back? That's good. Yeah, that's a good question. So just saying, I'm glad you're back with me. I'm so excited you're home. Um, I hope you had a good time. And you could even ask them, did you guys have fun? But just really avoiding those pressuring questions. So just being excited to be with them and just, you miss them. You're glad that they're back. And then just starting from there with whatever your day is going to be, whatever the night is going to be. One of the big things too, is kids are so present in situations like this, where there is the separation, they typically, when they're with you, they're with you. That's so, what's a really cool thing about a child is they're not like us when they're thinking of, we're always like the past, the future. Kids are so present all the time. Once they're back with you, they've already forgotten everything that's gone on with their dad at that moment. They're just excited to be with you. And same thing when they go with their dad, they're forgetting all about you. They're just excited to be with their dad. So remembering that because, so my, in my family, my husband was married before and we have two kids or he had two children before we got married. And that was a big one for me because it was hard Because as soon as they would leave, they would completely disconnect from us. And we wouldn't hear, we wouldn't have them calling us as much, but it's, and they didn't talk about their mom when they were with us because they were just present with you at the moment. And so that's, it's actually a really nice thing about children. Yeah. We have so much to learn from them. I'm like, oh, can I please do that? I'm practicing, but I can, my best friend, Courtney, she married young, has a son from her first marriage. They did divorce um, pre-pandemic. She's remarried now, but her ex lived in North Carolina for almost a whole year while he had to get it back up on his own feet with his health and his finances and all of that. And he just moved back up here. So her son went from like hardly ever seeing his dad to now he lives like right down the road, which is awesome. But my friend Courtney texted me the other day. She goes, oh my God, Isaac randomly got so mad at me for us having him for longer than Trent had him last year. And she was like, I have to go see if Trent was saying things like it was unfair, but it was a really strong response from my son. I think he's processing all of it. Curious mm-hmm. what you might say to Courtney. Yeah. And that could be just him realizing like how much he wants to be with his dad, but and it could be his dad saying something to him too. But I think just reflecting it back to him, like you're really upset. You really wanted to be with your dad longer and you feel like we kept you. And at that point, just being honest, having it on, we weren't trying to keep you from your dad. It's just the way it worked out or whatever happened in that situation. I do think it's really important to be honest with kids in these situations. And if you mess up or you say something you shouldn't have said, just even apologizing about it. I'm sorry that happened. We'll do better next time. Or this is new for us too. We're still trying to sort it all out. We're going to do the best we can to help you. Things like that. Just being like really clear about it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay if you don't do it perfect because it's a hard thing for everybody. Yeah. I love that. 
this was like, I could pepper a million more questions at you, Anastasia, but I feel like this was a fire hose of value just in what we've talked about so far. And I feel like this time has flown, but is there any last important things that you would want to share with people just wanting to co-parent in harmony? Just know that it's hard and that your first thought should always be about the child and what you're doing on your own, like what you're doing to help your child feel safe and secure and you can't control the other person. And just really thinking about that all the time is like, how am I making my child feel safe? Even if it's just sitting around watching TV, how are you helping? Are you holding them on your lap? Whatever it is. Yeah, I love it. The couples that I do know who have had successful co-parenting relationships, even after separation, that is that. They're like, the kid is our number one priority. We're going to set our differences aside and really make this bigger than us. It's about our kiddos. Yeah. Seeing it go well with that. Where can people find you if they want to DM you, ask you more questions, pick your brain? Yeah, I would love that. So I'm on Instagram. It's Anastasia Aruz. And you can find me on Arouse, however you want to say it. Yeah. (laughs) And then I have a website. It's Anastasia Aruz Coaching. You can find me there and Instagram probably. And so my goal with parents when I work with them is really to create a safe place for a child and helping them learn, even if it's a marriage, it's a healthy marriage, learning how to create a healthy family system where you're raising a child that has that grounded, safe, secure childhood. I love that. Thank you for the work you do. And it's so easy to talk to you. We'll have many more conversations to come, but thanks for coming on today, Anastasia, for everyone listening, and we'll see you next week. Ah, I'm honored you found today's episode worth your listen and time to hang out with me today. You know, for some of us, this podcast is just the thing you need to support you towards your breakthrough. But for others, we know we need a deeper level of support and guidance. So if you're a highly ambitious woman who's ready to repair deep, unshakable connection in your marriage, I'd love to tell you about my client coaching program called Root to Rise. This is the life-changing transformational container that will teach you exactly how to launch your marriage to the next level by moving trauma out of your body and stepping back into your power. Even if you've already tried everything, even if you're caught on the fence of should I stay or should I go, and even if your husband's not on board today. So look for my link in the show notes to book a call with me and we'll just talk about what's working, what's not, where you want to go. And very easily, I'll be able to tell you if and how I can help you. And if not me, I can still point you in the direction of some resources that can. So either way, tons of clarity. We'll have some fun getting to know each other while we're at it. And that's it for today. Huge hugs, my friend. I'll chat with you next Friday.